This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello once again, everybody. It's the Mark Madden Podcast here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Steeler season is over, but the talk will never end. I'm no better. Discussion about the black and gold is going to consume the majority of today's little effort. Uh, joining me now is my co-host. Uh, he is Tom Opferman. Tom, uh, let's go right into the Steelers. Matt Canada has not been fired yet as offensive coordinator. What's your take? Will he be back? Should he be back? He will be back. I don't think he should be back. I do think that he has to be a part of the improvement of the offense for the Steelers. Like you can't just say that the offense improved while fighting Matt Canada, who was trying to sabotage him the whole way. Well, he had right. a hand and, and in that. That is the uh, general perception among the citizens that everything that went right was because of Kenny Pickett. Right. Remember in the Raiders game when he couldn't hear the call? Oh, Kenny called those plays on that last right, drive. Right. Right. We're so quick to credit him and. Everything that went wrong is because of Matt Canada. We're so quick to discredit him. But, uh, but you know, my big criticism of the offense was the aversion to risk. Yes. That it didn't throw the ball downfield, that it didn't throw the ball in the middle. That's especially true after Pickett had that rash of interceptions after he became the starter in week four. And I think it's fair to wonder if the aversion to risk came from Mike Tomlin and not Matt Canada. Yeah, it's fair to debate where you place that blame towards. But as far as Canada's concerned, I get it again. Like he was a part of the marginal improvement of the offense, but he's not an NFL offensive coordinator. Just because he got a little bit better throughout the year doesn't mean you can't get better. I didn't need to see him do it here to know he wasn't. I just needed to look at his resume. He was a bad hire a cheap hire, a hire made because he was already under contract as the quarterback's coach. But the problem is all of these sexy names that are out there, Mark, Frank Reich. They don't getting, want to come here. Right. Cliff Kingsbury. They don't want to be under Tomlin. And on the other end, I don't think Tomlin wants them under him because they'll they, have other opinions. They don't want a guy who knows more. Tomlin right. doesn't want a guy, rather, who knows more. And here's the one argument I can make for retaining Canada. Besides that you can't separate the, the baby steps they did make forward you know, with the offense, you can't say he wasn't any part of that. It's just, I mean, I'd have to say he's the biggest part of it. He's in charge, but, <laughs> but, but it's tough to learn a new offense and get all new terminology put in place for any quarterback, let alone a second year guy. I'm not sure I want Pickett to go through that. If I'm Tom, when I say to Canada, listen, we need more throws downfield. We need more throws in the middle. But, but then again, I think that that is a Tomlin decision 
and I think it always has been. I, I think a lot of the offensive woes can be visited upon the head coach wanting to stick his finger in every single pie. Yeah, and the track record would let you believe that that is true because he does have his fingers in the draft pie. He has his fingers in the defense pie. Why well, would he's the, the GM and why he's would the defensive the off- coordinator. Right, why would the offense be the one that he leaves B to Matt Canada? That just doesn't track with him. So yeah, I'm sure that Tomlin has a ton of input with the offense and I think Kenny Pickett should have a say as well. Like I don't think that he I should don't, You don't think he should have at least a little bit of a say? I think that's where trouble starts uh in giving young players a little power. They just think they'll oh, be able to usurp more and more of it, uh, you know, as they is their tenure lengthens. I don't think that you go, hey, Kenny, is he your coordinator next year, or who do you want? And he hands picks it. But I think you call him in and say, hey, what do you like about Canada? Do you want more? Like, I, I think you get his input without making him feel he's part of the decision. Okay, that's fair. But I, I think since they think he's the franchise guy, I'm not convinced of that yet, but I'm not also not convinced that he's not after one year. He should have some input to it. you got to treat him kind of like the franchise guy. What position needs the most help as we approach the offseason? Inside linebacker. There's just no splash there. You know what? All. I don't disagree with that, but can you see them drafting an inside linebacker They're in the not first going round? to. I think they're going to take a tackle with their first pick, and then with their second quasi-first-round pick, number 32, I think they're going to take a corner. I saw a mock draft right before we started taping this. It says they're going to take Jordan Addison, the ex-pit wide receiver. And you know what? I could see them talking themselves into that because of his connection with Pickett when they were both at Pitt. And because it's a shiny new toy. Hey, when the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase after everybody was telling them to pick linemen, look at how him and Joe Burrow worked out. It's the same kind of thought process that you worry the Steelers are going to fall into. See, I think their biggest needs at cornerback. And if you knew you'd get Sauce Gardner, <laughs> I'd pick a cornerback, but they've done so poorly at drafting cornerbacks, and there aren't too many Sauce Gardners out there. I know Peasy's kid ain't. No, and the premier corners in this class are gone in the top 10. That's how it always goes, because everybody wants that shutdown corner. It's so essential in the modern NFL. Steelers don't have it, and they're picking in a spot at 17 and again at 32, where you're going to have to get a little bit lucky. You're going to have to find a little bit of a diamond in the rough there. You're not going to get a Sauce Gardner, a premier talent that late. Would it shock you if they took Joey Porter Jr.? No, because it's a position of need, so they can talk but, but themselves into that. can he play safety, excuse me, Freudian slip? Can he play cornerback in the league for sure, or does he need to move to safety? Because they don't need a safety. They might. He might need to be moved to safety, but they'll draft him as a corner, and they'll try him as a corner first. The first year. They, yes, before they make that decision. So it worries me that that's going to happen because it's a position of need. I wouldn't be outraged if they got Peasy's kid with the Chase Claypool pick, the first pick seconds. of the second round. And you take a tackle, left tackle preferably, with the first pick in the first round. Yeah, yeah. And if you take the corner in the first round, then, you know, rarely will you get a, a good left tackle, a right. great left tackle, even at the start of the second round, but maybe that's where you get a center. They got to be done picking offensive linemen in the third through fifth rounds. Uh, that's what this entire offensive line is built on, except for James Daniels, who's a second round pick, and their best offensive lineman because he's got the most pedigree. You got to get pedigree guys on that line. Here's the question I've hated discussing the most. Uh, did the Steelers have a good year, and did Tomlin do a good job? To me, the answers are no and no, but uh, as you may have noticed, Tom, there are those who disagree. I think Tomlin did an okay job. I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame based on this one year alone, and I'm not going to say he should be anywhere near the coach of the year, but it is mildly impressive to be 2-6, and six, keep guys involved, and then go 7-2 and two down the stretch. Yeah, but he was involved in going 2-6, and six Exactly, too. so that's why I just you, say You can't okay. separate him from the bat. It's the same... 
concept is pick it good, Canada bad. Right. So that's why the people that are saying, what a great season from Coach T, maybe his best ever, that's just asinine. It was an okay season. For I him. will say he does get the guys to stick with him. That's the You always ask people to give you one thing that he does well, that yep, he does that's great. It. That's it. He's a motivator. He can get guys to buy in. That's nothing to do with X's and O's. And no. Almost nothing to do with actual coaching. That's Wh- more administration. Which is why he See need- the subtle difference. He needs to delegate that stuff to smarter minds in the coordinator positions. Let him just handle the motivation. Get these guys ready on game days. Don't let them ever quit. And then let the other smart people in the room execute your offense, execute your defense. It's like when people say his best coaching job was 2019 when he went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck and Rudolph after Ben got hurt. Yeah, but they were 8-5. and five. And couldn't get it over the line to make the playoffs. They they collapsed three seasons in a row, 18 through 20. Call me old-fashioned, but I think his best coaching job was when he won the Super Bowl. I, I think that's very accurate to say. <laughs> now, we, we got to talk uh, about uh, backup quarterback. That's a big topic. I saw one report that they might bring Josh Dobbs back. Josh Dobbs isn't half the quarterback Mitch Trubisky is. He's not. I don't even think he's as good as Mason Rudolph at this point. Why do we have to bring back a guy? Why does it always have to be some sense of familiarity, which will tie into drafting Peasy's kid? Yeah, I I don't get that either. You need to go out and get an established veteran that knows his career as a starter is done, is going to buy into that second spot, because that's the problem I have with Mitch. Mitch is the best backup quarterback, you could argue, in the NFL, if you can bring him back. Does he buy into that secondary position, though? Does he want to be doesn't there? have a choice if he you doesn't don't have let a him. choice, but he's a human, so he's not going to give you his 100% focus, you'd think, unless he's, eh. not, unless he's not most professional, eh. and he might be. I think he's a pro. I think if they make him come back, but they, they didn't make I don't think Blunt they're going to make him come back. They didn't make uh, Debo stay. They didn't make yeah. – uh, uh, who's the other one that, that, that conned his way out? Uh, oh, uh, King Mel, Melvin Ingram. Yes. You, you know, so uh, – but but well that that begs the question did did Trubisky and Rudolph get screwed? Trubisky more so than Rudolph. I think they were both lied to. I do too. But Rudolph, that's I know they were both lied to. With Rudolph, I mean that's tough. You were in this franchise, we had you under contract, and then we decided to draft our quarterback of the future, and we handed the keys over to him. With Mitch, it's completely different. You brought him in from the outside. You said this is going to be your job, two year contract. You're the next guy. And then I you know. Pull- for sure, they told Mitch he would start through the bye week right. at least, you and pull, he did not. You pulled the rug out from under him in week four, so he got the most hard, hard done by. Mason definitely has a gripe, but I don't feel as bad for him. I think that cost him the playoffs, Tom. I think if Trubisky starts through the bye week, he wins the Miami game. Pickett was awful in that game. He threw three picks. Pickett was awful in the Jets game, too, even though he rallied them a bit. I look at the Miami game because Pickett sucked and should not have started, and blowing that fourth quarter lead against the Jets is where the the playoffs were lost. Yeah, they wanted to bring Pickett along slowly, and I think Tomlin even said that he was happy with the way that they did it and bringing him along gradually, but the way they threw him into things was basically like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. They were like, hey, go save this game against the Jets, then you're going to go up to Buffalo next week and play the best team in the league and get your ass kicked, then you're going to play the Eagles. Like, Absolutely, they should have stuck with Mitch to the bye, then made the switch then after he has two weeks to prepare. He has a weak Saints team at home. Maybe you see the second half Kenny Pickett initially instead of the interception machine that you had. But the Dolphins game thing, that's where I, I, I kind of don't agree with you on that one just because we've seen Mitch Trubisky throw three interceptions in a game too. So I don't know if it's a guarantee that he wins that game. Oh, it's not a guarantee, right. but I think, I, I, think, I think the better bet is for Coach to always follow through on his plan. I do too. When, when he comes up with something... Before a season, it's obviously been very carefully considered. I think it's dumb to just, you know, ditch that plan and go in another direction at halftime of a game yes. because you're panicked. 
And you're not arguing that Mitch should have started the entire year. You just think he should have gotten to the bye week and then you make that switch there. Yes, right? and yeah. I also think coaches should keep their promises. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Mitch was so terrible. You know, like, right. He won no great shakes, but I would hope they would have known he wouldn't be no great shakes. It wasn't like he was that much worse than Kenny Pickett at any point this year. And with your point on coaches keeping their promises, that has a ripple effect. I mean, you have to get guys to sign in free agency in the modern NFL. And if you have a track record of promising one thing and then turning your back on guys like Ingram with your promise or Trubisky, that's well, going no, 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 to be that, like, eh, I'm going to go somewhere else. He has a different rep, which did he's a soft touch and you can get out of here if you want to. I guess that's true, too. So when you sign on that dotted line, it's not as concrete as other places. We'll get back to more Steeler crap in a second. Right now, I want to do one of my top three lists. Uh, it was Jimmy Page's birthday this past Monday. Uh, Jimmy Page, of course, the founder and guitarist and uh, chief creative force behind the best rock group of all time, Led Zeppelin. But uh, I go in a different direction. It's the top three non-Led Zeppelin songs by Jimmy Page that he he put together in his other endeavors. Number three. This is way off the board. The Death Wish 2 soundtrack. Uh, that was original music by Jimmy Page in 1982. Kind of a weird venue, but he did some great work. All instrumentals. Uh, uh, just terrific. Almost a sinister sound. Now, Tom, uh, I know you're not a big Led Zeppelin fan. Uh, did you see Death Wish 2? Never saw Death Wish 2. Did you see any of the Death Wish franchise? No. Should I? Okay, 1 and 2 were very good. They did a remake not too long ago with Bruce Willis in the Charles Bronson role. That okay, it was okay. I I didn't like it. Uh, three, four, and five were garbagey. With with you know just the way to most series get to that point when you yeah get to three, four, yeah. Five. But uh, I got to tell you, one thing about and I don't remember much about three, four, and five because they weren't good. Right. Um, although I, I will say this about this with three, you know who the lead heel was? No. Are you familiar with the series Happy Days? Familiar with it? Never really watched it. Well, in in the first year there was an older Cunningham brother. Uh, Richie Cunningham was played by, of course, Ron Howard, Howard. And there was a Chuck Cunningham. And he disappeared and was never spoken of again after the first season. He was the lead heel in Death Wish 3. Though that's the, where he went. The same actor. He left Happy Days to go be the lead heel in Death I, Wish 3. I, I would I would think, yeah. And uh, <laughs> But the Death Wish movies, they're, like, especially the first two, they are almost disturbing in their violence. But by the I same like token, real. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, there's some things in Death Wish 2 that were were very provocative that are even hard to talk about. So so I won't. Number two uh, of the top Jimmy Page songs not done in Led Zeppelin, Satisfaction Guaranteed with The Firm, Paul Rogers on vocals, 1985, uh, great slide guitar, and Jimmy yanks out the violin bow for the video. And number one, Shake My Tree by Coverdale Page in 1993, Jimmy collaborating with the Whitesnake singer, uh, the song's so good that Robert Plant performed it live with Jimmy Page when uh, Plant and Page regrouped under that moniker in the late 90s, and Plant hates David Coverdale. For him to do a Coverdale song, it must have been um, really good. Now, let's get back to the Steelers here for a second. Uh, I, the one guy I'm sold on, based on what happened this year, is George Pickens, the rookie receiver. He should get a lot more targets. Middle of the field, uh, you know, go vertical. One-on-one, anytime he's one-on-one, I throw it up there and let him get it, let him make plays. If Canada is going to be back next year, then the emphasis has to be that he's your number one wide receiver. All of the focus that you put on Deontay this year for him to get all the target share, that now shifts towards George Pickens. He's better than Deontay Johnson. He, He just is. And I know that because he actually scored a couple touchdowns this year where Deontay Johnson did not. 
Well, uh, they made a mistake giving Deontay that money. They did. Two he's years, a number two receiver. $36.7 million. Not even a good one. I mean, well, if he's going to drop the ball, for sure not. He had 86 catches, but that was undone by all the drops and no touchdowns. Now, did you see Deontay stop following the Steelers on Instagram? And he tweeted that cryptic thing the other day, like, stay yeah, tuned or something like who that. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, what what do you make of that? Just him being a baby? Yeah, him being a baby. He has to forever now look at that record of him having the most catches in a season without scoring a touchdown. That might never be broken. It won't be broken. That's it's up beautiful. there with Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. And the best part is, is you always hear, well, Deontay's a good receiver. He just had a bad year with the touchdown thing. He's always open. The guys that he's on that list with, like the guys he passed, I couldn't even tell you who they are, but I saw the graphic and I was like, who the hell are those two guys? They're nobodies. Uh, would you trade him for a second-round pick? Yes. Think they'll try to? Because then I think you have enough capital where you could draft a wide receiver with that second-round pick. Just get another cheap option to be the George Pickens number two. Don't forget you have Calvin Austin coming back next year, so you already have a draft pick that you haven't seen yet. Don't you have a feeling they're going to mangle the draft? Why would they just take give me, the wrong position? Why would they give me any reason not to believe that yeah. they haven't taken an offensive lineman in the first two rounds since DeCastro? Twenty twelve, and haven't taken a defensive lineman top two rounds since Stephon Tuitt in in twenty fourteen. And I'd say maybe Andy Weidel comes in and has some influence, but no one has influence. We know Coach T's the one that decides. Now, okay, you got Pickens. I think that Fryermoose the real thing. I still would have taken the center instead, Creed Humphrey. Uh, Pickett obviously is their guy. Who else can be a breakout player for the Steelers next year that they already have? Who could be a breakout player? DeMarvin Leal on that defensive line. I think he's shown some flashes this year, and they're really high on him, and they need that defensive line help because it's it's just Cam and Ogunjobi right now holding that for down. And you've got to sign Ogunjobi. you got to sign Ogunjobi. And, like, I love Cam Hayward to death. He rallied more so than the Steelers did in the second half of the season to have another all-pro caliber yeah. year. But you always have to wonder that the next year is going to be the year the wheels fall off with a guy like that, right? Yeah. yeah and, and so they need an heir apparent, and I hope Leal can do that. They still need the big fatso in the middle, though. Yes. They need, like, a, they, you know, Javon Hargrave is going to be a free agent. Maybe you bring him back. I'd love that. One thing about defense, like, inside linebackers especially, but defensive linemen, too, you can sign them in free agency. They just did with Ogan Joby. Yeah, and, and I, I'd love to see him get Tremaine Edmonds the linebacker, uh, like uh, Terrell's brother. But I also hate all that brother crap they do, all the buddy system stuff. Yeah, it's disgusting. But that's a good upgrade, or that's a good brother to bring in because that brother is actually better than the brother that you have. Like Watt was a downgrade when you brought in Derek Watt. You already had the better Watt. You already have... You you have the worse Edmonds right now. So I'd take Tremaine Edmonds. I like what Matt Williamson said on your show on Monday. Blow that whole entire unit up. All three of them, gone. Get a guy, yeah. in, the, get a guy in like the third through fifth round in the draft. Get a high-priced veteran free agent like Tremaine Edmonds. Get another low-priced veteran free agent to shore it up. And then maybe you bring Spillane back as your number four. But you also have Mark Robinson to be a four or a five. Yeah, I'm not sold on him. I think if he... If as he a four was or in, five, though. I don't even know about that. I think if he if he should have been playing, he would have been playing. Then again, with, with Tomlin and, you know, I don't know. You, you, you never know. There, Those decisions are made so haphazardly. Like... Bob Spillane playing 220 consecutive snaps to end the season. He shouldn't even be in the league except to play special teams. And he's their number one inside linebacker. They love him, too. Love him. That's why I think he's the one that's going to be back. I think Jack is gone. I know Bush is gone. I think Jack's just too beat up. Yeah, he's a guy. He had injury problems at UCLA. Right, that's what I mean. A freak athlete. His peak was early in his NFL career, and he was on those really great Jacksonville defenses in like 2017 to beat the Steelers. That's when he peaked. 
he he gets to age 29, his body just wears down. Are the Steelers a playoff team next year? It's hard for me to say definitively no because they were almost a playoff team this year. Like the rest of the league is just adding that seventh seed. You can get to nine and eight and have things break your way and you're in. Uh, are they a playoff contender? Can they win a playoff game next year? No. I'll say no. I'll say well, they can't. I, I think that they can make the playoffs if they have like a perfect off season. And the pick they got for Claypool will really help. The first pick in the second round, which is the equivalent of a first round pick because Miami lost their right. first round pick for tampering with Tom Brady. So it, it's the 32nd pick. Um, I'll say this. If they make the playoffs, no higher than the seventh seed. They'll be the last team in. Now, um, Mika Fitzpatrick got team MVP. You had no problem with that, right? No, he is the team MVP. And he, I also saw the Players Association voted him their AP number one safety. Yeah, but, but I'm not even recognizing the it's the first ever Players Association right. All-Pro team because they just vote for names. It's true. Okay, like Aaron Donald made it. He just didn't deserve to he make it. He was not better than Hayward this year. Um, he wasn't better than a lot of people. I know. Um, I was surprised TJ Watt didn't make it. <laughs> and, and I want to bring him up. Well, you know, based on rep. Right. Or JJ Watt, for that matter. And now, TJ Watt's stats were average. But I got to say, they were 8-2 and two with him in the lineup. And it's undeniably a different team with him and the commotion he creates and the attention he draws. Yeah, I think a play that really illustrated that against the Browns was... Deshaun Watson dropped back to pass, and three or two of the linemen shifted towards Watt, and Ogan Joby basically just like moonwalked his way to Deshaun Watson because they were so nervous about Watt that there was a miscommunication. They forgot about Ogan Joby, and that's what he does for you. Everybody else can eat off of TJ Watt. How about Ogan Joby dragged him down by the face mask and didn't get a penalty? And then, like, he got up and he was kind of looking around. Yeah. He's like, okay, maybe like they he didn't see it. Put his hand up. That's on me, ref. Oh, I mean, never mind. Nothing happened. Okay, it's time for five guys, which amazingly still isn't sponsored, but nobody's really paying attention. Uh, what's what's the category this week? Basically, I just got five big old jerks in Hollywood. These are just five guys that people say are very difficult to work with. Oh, this will be good. This will be good. All right, number five, and a lot of them are comedic actors that I came up with. So, oh which no, is telling. I I know that, and I believe that. Yeah, because if you're a professional comedian, chances are you have issues in the first place. Right. All right, number five, Mike Myers. Heard he was miserable to work with on set, made unbelievably unbelievably stupid demands that could never be you know, fulfilled. He would walk off set all the time. He was just a jerk to people, really full of himself. And I heard there was a lot of jealousy from him on Wayne's World based on how Dana Carvey was getting all the love and the attention. He they, got over. Dana, Dana got, over. got way over. He, Dana that. got over as an equal, not a, not a sidekick. Exactly. And that rubbed Mike Myers the wrong way. And now to the point, you'd never see Mike Myers anymore. He does like little niche roles like an Inglorious Bastards. He, he was great. One role. Yeah. He was great. But you never see him. And I think that probably has to do with it. People just get tired of working with a guy who's really not that I, famous anymore. I don't think he was ever that funny to begin with. I think he hit home runs with like Wayne's World. But, you know, I, I don't I think like, you know, it, it, he reminded me of a poor man's Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith had the cast of characters from Clerks, and he played off them his whole career. Mike Myers had like one-tenth of that. Yeah, he created two home run characters, Wayne's World and then Austin Powers. Right. And then he kind of cashed in for the rest of that. You know, I'm in a minority. I find the Austin Powers movies wholly unfunny. I like the Austin Powers movies. Just didn't, I, I, I didn't get the humor. Okay, who else you got? All right, number four, Charlie Sheen. I mean, famously kicked off the set of Two and a Half Men and fired. He did go insane off of the screen at that point in his life, but I heard he was just a miserable person to work with to the point that when the off-the-screen issues happened, they were just like, dude, we're done with you. Get out of here. Well, now, here's my one disclaimer for that. 
The only time you heard horror stories about Charlie Scene was on the set of uh, Two and a Half Men, and I think that was more a personal feud with Chuck Lorre, the producer. Oh, he hated Chuck Lorre, yeah. the producer. Yeah, So, But then again, Chuck Lorre, I mean, everything he touches turns to gold. Right. Even if he's a dink, how can you hate him? Yeah, exactly. You can't argue with him. You have to learn to work with a guy like that. And they just met an impasse, and then they bring in Kelso to replace him for the rest did, of the Did Two you and like Men. that version of Two and a Half Men? Yeah, I, I honestly thought, how could Ashton Kutcher do any better, right? Like, I, I really thought he played it well. Yeah. And they got how many, like two, three seasons two three. out of that? That's solid. That's a solid, you know, yeah. cash cow towards the end. Okay, who All else? All right, number three, Ed Norton. Just famously. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. And. The one part that really pushed him over the edge, you don't care about superhero movies, but he was the original Incredible Hulk. You know, the Incredible Hulk. Right. He was cast as Bruce Banner for that movie. Right. And he was supposed to be the Bruce Banner for this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they just ditched him. Well, he kind of ditched them too because he got the script for the Incredible Hulk and he just ripped it to shreds. He rewrote the entire script, rewrote the entire characters, fought with the director constantly, fought with the producers constantly. So then they replaced him with Mark Ruffalo in the future. And Ed Norton is a great actor, the best actor on my list for sure. I don't think he has any regrets, but that bank account would have had a couple extra zeros if he would have just hung now, on to that now, role. Now, was he only a problem with Incredible Hulk or are there other stories? No, I mean, there's other stories too, like with on sets of other movies that he's not the best guy to deal with. And he, he has a lot of he'll get direction from a writer, he'll get direction from a director, and he'll just be like, no, that makes no sense. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. But how can you argue with a guy like that? He's so good. You know who that reminds me of? Hulk Hogan had creative control when I was in WCW. Doesn't work for me, brother. You'd get that all the time. Yeah, but he was kind of cool about it. I didn't. I mean, but the you know, but oh. he, he like he didn't like you know stomp and scream and you know, but he had creative control. Well, the difference so, there, I think, is Ed Norton does not have creative control. Doesn't work for me, brother. All right, and my number two and number one are kind of one A and one B, and they're so intertwined with each other. Number two is Bill Murray. And you've heard a lot of yes. stories come out lately yes. of Bill Murray just being a real POS on sets. And then number one is Chevy Chase, who has always been a real jerk to work with. SNL cast, the original cast of SNL hated him for leaving them. Bill Murray famously fought him when he returned to host at SNL. Legit fist fight backstage. Yes, legit fist fight. Uh, like, um, kind of triggered by Belushi. And then, yeah, Belushi, like, talked Bill Murray into it. Like, Bill Murray even right. said, like, I, I just felt like it was my duty as the new guy to stand up to the old guy that did my boys wrong. So that happened with him. And then you remember the show Community with Joel McHale? It was on NBC. Vaguely. Famously terrible to work with. Like, a mean person to Joel McHale and all the other actors on the set would constantly just say in between takes how unfunny this show was and how this is a terrible show. This is a joke of a sitcom. Like... Just would constantly bash the show. But when while Chevy filming Chase it. came back to host Saturday Night Live years later, he he like made homophobic slurs at the expense of a gay writer. Ugh, you know, just like just a bad guy. Bad guy. Like Bill Murray, though. I'll tell you what makes Bill Murray number one on this list to me. Yeah, his differences on the set of Groundhog Day ruptured his lifelong friendship with Harold Ramis, and they never spoke again. Then Harold Ramis died, and Bill Murray kind of eulogized him. Very nicely at the Academy Awards that year, but I'm thinking to myself, dude, you didn't talk to him for you know decades. Don't don't think you could you know that struck me as PR on Bill Murray's part as opposed to anything sincere. And those two just were masterful together. They could have made so many great movies together if they would have just stuck with it. Uh, what about Bob? Him and Richard Dreyfus got in a lot of fights with each other. Well, Richard Dreyfus I was, just was no say, bag, of, bag of chips either. It's hard to identify who was the real jerk in that situation. I remember Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw on Jaws used to get into it all the time. Dreyfus hated Shaw. Yeah, I, but I think Bill Murray's number one on the list. to be, And, and Bill fair. Murray is arguably my favorite comedic actor ever. 
Oh, I love Chevy Chase too. Who who is going to argue that Chevy Chase isn't comedically great? Chevy Chase made more bombs than Bill Murray, though, don't you think? Especially as he wore on, right? Like later in his career, Chevy Chase kind of faded a little bit. Where Bill Murray's always strong. Well, that's the five guys. That that's a good list. I, I like that. Now I got a uh, a uh, top three list, and uh, you know, as we celebrated Jimmy Page's birthday Monday, Rod Stewart's was on Tuesday, and Rod. Uh, was uh, the first concert I ever saw, specifically his old group Faces, with Ronnie Wood, who's now in the Rolling Stones, and uh, Ian McGlagan, who played piano for the Rolling Stones for a while. Kenny Jones went on the drum with the Who. Ronnie Lane passed away uh, from, I believe it was uh, MS at at a relatively Mm. young age. Who was the first concert you ever saw, Tom? I've only ever been to a Billy Joel concert, Mark. That's it. I'm the exact opposite of you. I'm not a concert guy. I what don't go to concerts. What made you pick Billy Joel? I like Billy Joel. My whole family loves Billy Joel. My wife loves Billy Joel. I'm not going to say no when they buy me the ticket. It was a good time, and, and he's got pipes. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He can. I sing. would say no when they bought me the ticket. No, I'm not. I'm not anti Billy Joel. It's just no Billy Joel. I have uh, two kinds of uh, of groups in terms of me being a fan. Yeah, groups I would travel to see, and then groups I would see if they were in Pittsburgh only. I would if somebody gave me a ticket to Billy Joel. Down at PNC, you'd go see it. Yeah, so I'm not a concert guy, Mark. Just I never really saw the appeal to it. Well, top three Rod Stewart songs, and I go off the beaten path here. Number three, every picture tells a story. The title track from Rod's uh, biggest LP, Mickey Waller, just wears out the drums. Maggie Bell, the the great singer, doubling Rod on the chorus, just tremendous. Number two, Tom, we played this on my show the other day. I know I'm losing you. The Temptations cover. That's the first time I ever heard that song. It was badass. Yeah, just great. Faces were the backing band, even though that was on one of Rod's solo albums. And num- number one, and this was the fade out song for what movie, Tom? Stay With Me. Uh, that was on uh, a Faces LP, just vintage Rod Stewart, often the closing number uh, for his for his concerts. What, what movie? Do you know I've seen this movie for sure? I, I would be shocked if you didn't. Uh, a very famous recent comedic movie, Stay With Me, was the fade-out song as the, uh, I'll give you a hint, as the uh, main characters drive off. I'm not going to get it. You're going to have to tell me. Wedding Crashers. <sighs> when they all are in the back of yeah. the, uh, the... We're the, a folk-singing trio from Salt all, Lake. The girls St- throw their hands yeah, up. Right, exactly. Woo, yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's stay, that's, I haven't seen Wedding Crashers in a long there time. There you go. Stay With Me. And and just off the board for my, my favorite Rod Stewart songs... And, and this, let's see if you remember what movie this is from. It's Rod Stewart uh, with the Jeff Beck group. Jeff, of course, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame guitar player. Ain't superstitious. Not going to get it. But I guarantee you saw this movie. What is it? Casino. Oh, yeah. How could you not see it? It's the scene where they cheated Blackjack. See, you're, these are all movies that I haven't seen in like probably 10 years. I yeah, but you that. that scene, I think that's the best, like, because the music, it... Ain't superstitious, but a black cat crossed my path. The music oh, drives ow, the scene, yeah. Ow, ow. Yeah, it, 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 it I, I think that that the soundtrack, the song shows for movie, is are so important. Oh, absolutely. They they really set the tone for a, a great scene. They can make a scene or break a scene. Uh, real quick, real quick, penguin note, Tom. Uh, as we speak, they beat Vancouver last night, five four. And I believe one of the most unimpressive victories I've ever seen. They were down 3 nothing yeah. early. And what's it say when Sullivan stopped practice in the middle of last week because they were just flat? And then they came out flat in the first period of each of the next three games. 
I don't know if I want to say what I think that says, which is, is this message getting stale? Are these guys kind of not buying in as much as they usually do? Because that's kind of what is the result of when that happens, right? It's like, yeah, whatever, you stop practice, okay, yeah, sure, we'll play hard. Like, guys who are really bought in and are playing for their coach will be like, oh, crap, he stopped practice. Like, he's pissed. We better wake up. That that Vancouver game was a break in a bounce away from being the worst loss maybe ever because they were down 3 nothing, went up 5-3, and almost blew That's it. That's what again. I was going to say. They almost blew it still. Like, just, they just, just can't help themselves from winning by two or more goals. Well, just to wrap, I wrote a column that's up, up at the Trib page already. Um, Ty Smith has looked really good, and especially running the power play. He's a true power play quarterback, which Chris Letang isn't. And even when Letang comes back, I think Ty Smith should remain on that power play. I bet he's not even on the team. I yeah. bet as soon as they have, as soon as the guys are healthy, they'll send them down. The excuse will be the cap because they can't afford him under the cap. Hey, Hextall created the cap problems. He should solve the cap problems. That's what a GM does. He makes the team better. You know how they say Hextall's patient? Yeah. I think he's just lazy. I, I tend to agree with that too. And another word I would apply to him is just frustrating because I, I just don't understand why he gave those contracts to Kapanen and gave the, well, I do understand the Carter contract, buddy system again there. I but, think Kapanen was buddy system. He, he that's right. was in Philly there when Sammy connection. Kapanen was there, Kasperi's dad. Those are the two contracts that are just anchoring this team down more than anything. Those two right there. If you just ignore those guys, you let Carter walk. And, and and I think there was, to a degree, a let's sign Carter as an insurance policy in case Geno does walk in Oh, the but then they protected him in the expansion draft, even though right. there's no way Seattle's taking a, a 90-year-old center. No chance. And then even if Geno walks and you let Carter go, then you just go out and get Vinny Trocek, right? Then you have even more money to go get another center in the market. So those two contracts are the things that I think are just anchoring this team, more so than a lot of other things. That's Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.